Blog Talk Radio. friend, Reverend Sean McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created just to focus on the tenet that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and uh, for today, all my Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible, but you may use any Bible you wish, of course. I have had many spiritual experiences and in gratitude. We will have ongoing Bible readings and also read from selected materials.
I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me. Let's say our opening prayer, then we bow our heads. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And we pray for all Christians being persecuted worldwide, their freedom to worship and lives or have been in great jeopardy. And we pray for all those suffering from violence here and abroad. And we pray for all those who are sick in mind and body and those who are lonely and uncomforted. And we ask God to please forgive us our sins. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes. And we pray for freedom from addiction from all kinds. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight evil and forget, protect lives that are taken for certain evil reasons. We believe they have become martyrs, and we also ask the angels to watch over everybody. Our prayers go out to those who suffer in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We also pray for wisdom for our president and the rest of our policymakers. They have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries for problems of suffering all over the world. We want to thank you, God, for everything you have given us. And we ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you don't have a Bible this morning, you can also go to www.biblia.com and you can find a Bible there. I mean, they, it has a concordance and everything, so it's really great. The opening music I want to remind you is by Sali Vocal Group from the needy, CD Native Angels by Sali. You can get your own copy going to savae.org. And they're also on Facebook, and they do live shows. So you can see them for free on YouTube. And you can get their CD over on Amazon. That's why I got mine. Okay, for today, I wish everybody a very happy birthday or a blessed event or anniversary. And uh, we wish you a very pro- prosperous year ahead. And God bless you all, whoever's birthday is today. And if you, let's see, we're here every Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So, we're on to uh, Thessalonians, and we're reading in chapter 2, but I wanted to read a summary by schmoop.com for uh, just going on in Thessalonians, so in Thessalonians 2. So this is, this is the summary. Have you ever had your email hacked or someone log into your Facebook and post stupid updates? Then you know how annoying it is when someone pretends to be you. The worst part is trying to convince your grandma that isn't actually you to send her the link to that super creepy you-know-what site. Anyway, sorry, Nana. But back in the first century, everyone was doing this kind of thing. See, the Second Thessalonians is what biblical, call, biblical scholars call the disputed letter. That just means that we're not sure if Paul actually wrote it. Maybe it was him or maybe some other random Christian guy who picked up a pen and parchment and pretended to be Paul. Hey, at least he didn't try to open a credit card in Paul's name. But anyway, today we would call this identity theft and then call the FBI. But people living in the first century did it, all, did it all the time. In fact, 2 Thessalonians is one of the seven letters in the Bible written by a foe, Paul. After all, who cares what Demetrius from Athens thinks of Jesus? Paul's got all the hard-won prestige and apostolic authority, so why not hide his, in, in his coattails all the way to the Bible? Anyway, it's not to say that because Thessalonians is phony, it's not only uh, awesome sauce in its own right, but pretend 
Paul is something pretty good thoughts on his own, and we really like his take on the infamous, infamous sin of man. But just remember, this imposter has good intentions, occurring Christians, spreading love and hope. And what Nigerian prince who keeps emailing you, he doesn't mean it so much. Anyway, uh, the first Thessalonians is actually the oldest piece of writing in the New Testament. It was put down about 20 years after Jesus died, which means it predates even the Gospels. And then why should I care? Why should you care? Here we have the, a couple of seriously old letters written to a bunch of people who died nearly 2,000 years ago. Sure, if you consider the impending apocalypse snorfest, but, oh, we have you got your attention now. Excellent. First and Second Thessalonians are really all about a group of unpopular kids getting ready for a massive end-of-the-world party, a party that the in-crowd wouldn't be invited to see. See, the early Christians believed that Jesus ascended into heaven. But they also had a sneaking suspicion that he wouldn't be able to resist the itch to come back one more time and right all the wrongs of the world, specifically all the wrongs of the Christians. Pretty much every book in the New Testament mentions the return of Jesus in some way. And like the return of the king or return of the Jedi, it gave people hope because it's going to be awesome. First Thessalonians is the greatest, earliest recorded history about the, the bullied Christians believe is going to happen. Basically... It says Jesus would float down from the sky with angels and trumpets. He'd scoop up all the believers into heaven, and then he'd smite the wicked and pour out his wrath on them. Although Christians are already sporting their Let's Get Ready Rapture t-shirts, this end of the world party never came. Eventually, the poor picked-on Christians took over the Roman Empire. They watched their social stock rise, and the bullies went their way. Today, most Christians don't worry too much about the end of the world, Apparently, when you're in charge, the apocalyptic stuff's way millennia too. <laughs> Some kind, anyway. Okay, so this is the summary of Second Thessalonians. More greetings from Paul. What up, Thessalonia? Apparently, not much has changed since Paul last wrote, and the Thessalonians are keeping the faith, still loving, still being persecuted. High fives all around. Well, not so much in the persecution part. However, there are a few points they need to go over. Some are wondering if the day of the Lord was already come. The answer is no. Apparently, a lot of this end-of-the-world stuff depends on a shady figure called the man of sin. He sounds scary, but no worries. Jesus is going to wipe him out when he comes again. It's totally on his apocalyptic to-do list. Paul closes by reminding them not to tolerate any loafers in their midst. If folks aren't willing to work, then they're not going to eat. Anyway, love and peace and prayers to everyone back in Thessalonia. Paul out. So let's turn our pages to our book and page two, Thessalonians two. I'm going to read directly out of our Bible. Thessalonians two. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But after we already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness of our God to speak to you the gospel of God amidst much opposition. For exhortation does not come from error or impurity or any way of deceit. But just as we we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so to speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts within his industry. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others even though as apostles of Christ we might have had served our authority. But we have proved to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. 
Having so fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you have become very dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Minutes is his blameless behavior. You are witnesses, and so God, how devoutly and rightly and blamelessly we have behaved towards believers. Just as you know how we are exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father with his own children, so that when we will walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you to glory in his own kingdom and glory. So for this reason, we have constantly thanked God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as from the word of man, for what it, but for what it really is. It also performs its work for you, brother. Well, the they did from the Lord Jesus. They are not pleased to God for they may be saved, with the result that this, they are always felt the measure of their sins, and their, but wrath has upon them to the utmost. For we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short while, in person, not in spirit, we were all the more eager to great, to, with great desire to see your face. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or our joy or our crown of exaltation? It is not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming. For you are glory and joy. Uh, third Thessalonians, which we'll take up next week. So uh, let's read the bottom notes. Um, not a return, and that was an axe story. And then two, three. Paul attacks which must have been charges brought against him of error that the gospel he preached was based on error of impurity that Christianity is in encouraged sexual immorality, and deceit that his methods were underhanded. Paul was already a veteran of local church ministry, an evangelistic missionary, a potentially explosive worldwide church debate, and now part of a second missionary trip. In all of this, he was approved by God. He's talking about flattering speech, an attempt to persuade by use of insincere speech, and asserted our authority better made demands on you for support. Paul clearly says his right as apostle to financial support, but he always behaved selflessly as a nursing mother and then found affection. An unusual word indicating the yearning love of a mother for her children. Paul's pastoral heart was laid bare in these verses. They were very touching. Okay, labor and hardship. Paul did manual labor, likely making tents, in order to give the gospel without charge. And then uh, Paul compared the problems of the Christians at Thessalonica among their fellow Greeks with those with Christians in Judea persecuted by Jews. And then 2.16 is filled with measure of their sins. God sometimes allows his people to be persecuted in order to show the evil nature of men and the righteousness of his judgment when it, it falls. These prosecutors were heaping sin upon sin and the coming and the destruction of Jerusalem. That's what he's talking about. 
or relieved me of the image of the drug-crazed eyes. Nothing terrified me more, not even learning in 1986 I had cancer. The tumor was successfully removed, but the cancer came back, and I had more operations and radiation therapy, <clears throat> but the malignancy returned. 1993, it spread to my lungs, and I was told I had less than 50% chance of living more than five years. Around the same time, I received word that James Winslet was up for parole. I told Don, do everything you can to make sure he stays in prison. In April, I went to Ohio State University Medical Center in Columbus for invasive radiation therapy, requiring a three-day stay in an isolated cell like while there, I lay in my bed saying prayers for my health. I saw the radiation as light spreading over my body, and his stripes would be healed, I repeated. I imagined every part of my body touched by the healing blood of Jesus. But I never offered any prayers for the anger and the fear that was also riddling my body. I held on to the hatred for the man in another cell. That summer, I went well. I was well enough to go to my two eldest sons to church camp. I wanted to savor what time I had left for them, and one evening, at the campfire, I closed my eyes and listening to songs as it took me back to my girlhood when I was both trusting and carefree. You know how I love Jesus, we sang, and the words became my prayer, and the last thing I remember before I collapsed. I see the sky beyond the blue out of reach of the stars. I see my younger brother, Renee. He died at 12, but here he's grown up. He smiles at me and sings. My mother, too, is here, and the last time I saw her, her face and body showed the ravages of cancer, but now she's healthy and happy again. This is heaven. I hear angels sing a music of more glory than anything I've ever heard before. I'm so close to the angels, I sing with them. Oh, how I love Jesus. Lying on the ground, I feel the hand of God touch the pit of my stomach through my chest and neck with intense heat. I hear God speak, be still, he says, now say I am healed. And I repeat these words, I am healed, I'm healed. And I get up and turn to dance. When I opened my eyes, I, I was still on the ground. A friend standing over me told her the good news, I had seen heaven. I had been praying for healing, but I had just been concentrating on God. And suddenly I seen his realm. The door was open to me, and I had seen beyond. The first concrete evidence of my physical healing came in the fall when I went back to this OS, OSU medical center to have my blood tested. My physician, the Ernest Mazza Ferry, was uh, looking for another marker to see if the cancer was present. The last time he run the test, I had a marker count around 100. This time it was close to five, perfectly normal. I couldn't believe it, Dr. Mazza Ferry said. I made a lab test on the test twice just to be sure it hadn't been any mistake. For me, the new year of 1994 felt like the beginning of a new life. I I could look ahead to the future with better expectations. But in February, when James Winslet came up from parole again, I started to revert to that old familiar feeling, fear. I had been so grateful for my healing and felt so happy and had trusted God so completely I almost forgot my attacker. But now that his, he was back in my thoughts, spoiling my life. One night at dinner, I announced, I want to see James Winslet. And Daniel dropped his fork. You can't, he said. I want that man near you. For as hard as I harbor anger against him, I am hurting myself, I explained. I can trust God with my health. I have to trust God with this. I don't think well, I'll be completely well until James is see James in person. Now, Don booked his looked down his plate thinking, when I'm coming with you, 
and he calls for the parole office of the work release program in Charleston, and James agreed to see me, but the woman in charge was deeply suspicious of my motives. If you attempt to intimidate him or retry him, the visit will be interrupted. We went to an office and waited, and the door opened, and in walked a thin man wearing teal sports coat, black trousers, and shine shoes. How different he was from the person I saw in my nightmares. He looked smaller, older, and a little frightened. I said, look nice. Fifty straight shirt Thank you, he said thoughtfully. No drugs. Before he came to hold his life, he pulled two crumpled newspaper clippings from the pocket and handed them to me. I read about a star high school athlete destined for a great future and an all-American basketball player with college scholarship. Kids used to ask me for my autograph, James says, and then he told the world. Sorry, I hurt you and your family. We were both drunk for a while, and James said, May I ask you something? I hear my prayers. Could have made me whole. That was an amazing story. I want to thank that lady that she shared a story with us, just how amazing that is. And for all of us, may we forgive those and who have hurt us. And also be wise in our choices and ask God forgiveness for our sins and that we'd be better to each other and to the animals and to to the world itself that we you know, show more love towards each other. And as we close out the service this morning, I just want to remind you, everybody, that we're in this together. You're never alone. And you can contact me, of course, on Facebook, Charming Simpson McCain. And also, I want to let you know that you can uh, uh, find me there and message me. And uh, if I can help you in any way or pray with you, I would pray in Jesus' name and ask him to help you in any way. And, uh, I'll let you know I love you very much. And let's close in our um, traditional serenity prayer. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. I want to thank you for joining Sacred Sunday. Please come back next week, and we'll have another Bible reading. And uh, in closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember, you're never alone. I love you, and I know God loves you so much, and your best dreams come true, and true love live in your heart. God bless you. Happy trails, and have a wonderful week.